the Chair 2 Leaders Podcast with your hosts, Danny Smith and Ben South. If you lead from the second chair or you work with those who do, this is a place for you. We're glad you're here for conversations about the church, ministry, life, and how we can serve better for God's kingdom. Well, welcome back to another episode of Chair 2 Leaders. Glad you're listening in with us this week. I am Ben South, here with Danny Smith. Danny, how are you today? Well, Ben, I'm doing well. Man, always excited to uh, be on the podcast, and I was a little nervous about this one. I was trying to eat some uh, gas station sushi before I jumped on, so <laughs> we're going to see how that goes. But You know, uh, the truth is, Danny, you don't have to tell us everything going on in your life. Well, no, but you know, I thought, well, I don't want to talk weather or sports. Well, let's just throw out that. So, uh, lost this one out there. Sushi. Yeah. Well, okay. And I'll, you know what? I exaggerate a little bit. The, the grocery store sushi, but they do have a gas station. So, in some sense, I was close, but. Uh, You're living on the wild side there. That's right. You know, you, you try to do these uh, intermittent fasting things. And, uh, so I thought, goodness, I need to eat something, but, uh, yeah, I got to have my strength because this is a good episode and I needed to have my mental strength ready. And you thought gas station sushi is what I need. Cause nothing screams being mentally ready like that phrase right there, <laughs> gas station sushi. So, but I'm good and I'm glad to be here. How are you, man? How are you I'm, doing? I'm doing well. I, we're good. It's, it's good heading into summer. Man, it's warm here and talking about weather again, but it's great. We're doing well. So let me ask you about sushi. What's your favorite kind? You know, it's funny. Uh, I'm going to be a little bit, uh, I'm going to make everybody who listens to this that likes sushi and coffee mad all at one time. <laughs> I don't know. Honestly, I just sort of order what looks like a standard sushi roll. Um, so I will tell you, this one was a spicy shrimp sushi. It was hard to go wrong with shrimp. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought, you know. But yeah, I'll go to you know, I'll meet somebody for uh, for at a coffee shop, and they'll have all kinds of you know phraseology to order. And I'm like, I just want some coffee, and I'm not sure what I should say. Is <laughs> cream and sugar count? And you know what I've discovered is they look at you like, oh, wow, you're one of those guys. I'm like, this guy just ordered 16 phrases for one cup. <laughs> but sure, I'm the bad guy for wanting cream and just sugar. Play, so cream and sugar. Just plain I old just, coffee. You know, that's right. So Can I just get anyway, coffee? Right. Just yeah. coffee. Maybe I need therapy. I don't know. Okay. but uh, <laughs> Well, I hope the sushi treats you well today because we've got a great episode. We've got a good guest coming. Matter of fact, our guest that is joining us today, we met the first time at our sponsor, CBC. We're glad to have CBC as a sponsor here on Chair 2 Leaders. They are doing great things in Conway, Arkansas. It's a great liberal arts college. They've got all kinds of programs, athletics, and things for you, you or your students. They actually have a degree completion program that you can join. It's called the PACE program that you can sign up and take classes at your speed to finish your degree in ministry or, or various other things. Uh, so check them out today at cbc.edu. We're glad to have CBC as a sponsor. Yeah, it's always fun uh, to uh, keep up with CBC. And I am excited that today's guest is someone that we met there and you know, Ben, sometimes you meet those guys and you think, now this guy, he's sharp. And uh, I think we thought that then, but he really is sharp even now. And so I'm excited that David Erickson's joining us today. Well, I'm glad to be here. The 
it is a great school, and I love being there with you two guys. So, as many years ago, <laughs> it's just a few. That's Unfortunately, right. it is. Yes, that's right. But that's you know, it happens to the best of us. So, David, take just a minute and introduce yourself to our listeners, and tell them a little bit about yourself, your ministry, where God has you serving, and and maybe a little okay. your family and things like that. All right. Well, I I started the ministry when I was fourteen years old, and and started preaching at that point. Went to Central Baptist College, and then uh, went on to the Baptist Missionary Association Theological Seminary, did a master's degree there, met my wife there in, in Texas, and we got married 17 years ago, and on our way home from our honeymoon, we stopped by Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in Fort Worth, met uh, Malcolm Yarnell, who eventually became my doctoral advisor, took a tour and decided, yeah, we're going to do a PhD. And so that's what we did and uh, uh, started that uh, right out of the gate. Um, then 13 years ago, I uh, took a job at, uh, at BMA Seminary where I had done my master's degree. I teach there as uh, teach primarily theology. And that's been what I've been doing professionally for the last 13 years. Um, on a more personal level, um, my wife and I spent the first eight years of our marriage walking through infertility and uh, trying to see if God would grant us a family. And uh, eventually he did. Um, and we now have two boys uh, that we're raising. They're six and eight now. And then in the midst of all of that uh, long journey through infertility, we did foster parenting. Uh, for for a period of time and and did that as as well and so uh, God's been good to us he's had us here in Texas I'm I'm not from Texas I've been in Texas for 20 years now and uh, but God's been been really good to us well you've also got a ministry and I think that's kind of where we're going to take today's conversation that you and your wife are a part of Um, tell us a little bit about that right so about three years ago um, we started something called Flourishing Homes and Families, which was not something we I had ever purposefully set out to do. Um, but as a you know as a as someone in ministry and someone helping train ministers, there had been some things I had kind of observed. It doesn't take great powers of observation to notice that young people leaving the faith is a massive problem. And to me, that kind of signal like there's there's something wrong here. I don't know what to put my finger on or anything, but it just kind of set my alarm bells up. There's something wrong with with our kids walking away from the faith with such great frequency. Um, the other thing was part of being a foster parent was um, initially we tried to parent as foster parents using all the tricks that we had learned in our Christian families and, uh, and, and the way that, that we had been parented. And it was all a failure. Like it didn't work. And it took us a little while to figure out like trust is really the key to relationships and to parenting. And in a foster situation, they don't come in with any trust for you. You're brand new. And, and so they have no reason to trust you. And that was kind of the thing that maybe began to kind of shake me out of like, okay, some of this stuff that I've spent many years learning doesn't work for some reason. 
And uh, so that set me off on like, okay, I got to figure out what's going on. So I'm starting to read parenting books, specifically Christian theology parenting books, because I want to know. And um, as I read books, I was like, man, some of this stuff is, is bad theology. Uh, and of course, I'm a theologian, so I'm always attuned to uh, the theological aspects. And, and bluntly, there's way too many parenting books out there that, I, that promote what I call the parenting prosperity gospel. Okay, that if you will follow this particular parenting method, if you will do this, you'll, you know, you'll get Christian kids out of the situation, you'll, you'll, you'll do this, you know, and and some of it's really blatant, and some of it's kind of more subtle. Um, You know, I've I've seen people say like, well, if you, you know, you need to teach your kids to obey you, because if they learn to obey you, they'll be primed to obey Christ. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're a Calvinist theologically, you should know better than to say that. I, I don't comprehend how, how you think this is actually going to work because it's, it, it, it's not. Um, so all of that was kind of feeding in. And, and so, you know, my wife, my wife's also a seminary graduate. We just started, you know, talking about these things with each other. And we started talking about it with some friends. And then we posted a couple of things on social media. And that um, was uh, challenging for some of our in real life friends, because whenever you start talking about parenting, parenting is extremely personal. Okay. Because all of us have been parented and most of us really love the people that parented us. And a lot of us are parents. Okay. And it's very easy for people to feel attacked whenever you start talking about parenting in a way that they didn't parent or they weren't parented. And so we started getting some pushback and we were kind of like, okay, we love these people that we're in a relationship with. We love with these people we're going to church with. We, um, and we don't want to be divisive or anything like that. And so my wife was like, let's just start a little Facebook page where you can talk about parenting and I can talk about parenting. And you know, if our friends and family want to follow us, they can. If they don't, they won't. I was like, okay, that'll be fine. How many people do you think would ever follow a Facebook page about parenting? And she's like, I don't know. Maybe a hundred people would follow that. I was like, okay, so like we're gonna get bored with this in a couple months, right? And uh, and so that was just we kind of started out sharing stuff and talking about parenting and the theology of parenting, and it's been three years. And now it's, you know, I don't know, 160,000 people uh, on, on multiple platforms. It's just like, okay, there's a lot of parents, a lot of Christian parents that want to think about what does it mean to apply my theology to my parenting? David, that's pretty amazing what the Lord has been able to do with that ministry. And again, just the obedience that you had to him uh, and following him in that. And, you know, here I am with kids now entering those teenage years, being I know you and I, very similar stage. You've got some younger ones still. But, yeah, I just think most Christian parents, we just feel somewhat inadequate. We know we should believe the Bible. We know we should point our kids to Christ. We know that we should probably take them to church. But, you know, as messy as life gets, as difficult as life gets, we're dealing with our own sin and our own sinful tendencies. Now we're trying to raise people who are dealing with their sin and sinful tendency. So I think this kind of ministry um, is, is not just needed as you guys have shown, but I think sometimes just practically like, okay, 
yes, I know the Bible's true and I know I should take them to church, but how do I do this well? So what are some of the specific uh, ways that you use this ministry to, to help families walk through that and maybe kind of frame for them um, what, that, what that journey kind of looks like? So one of the things that I kind of, you know, when, when you look at the Bible, there's not that much about parenting in the Bible, right? For the vast number of books that have been written about parenting and the Bible, there's not actually that much in the Bible explicitly about parenting. In fact, I would say there's a whole lot more in the Bible that is like story after story of like bad parenting is a lot more than the Bible telling you how to parent, okay? There's a lot more how Uh, not to than how to. There really is. Uh, there's a lot of pitfalls uh, in, in parenting. And, and, and you know, Danny's right. There's, it's, life is busy. There's a lot going on. Um, you know, each child is unique in their own ways, and you're trying to, to handle that. And yet you've got a whole family uh, that you're trying to take care of, however many uh, children are in a particular family. So... Um, I mean, it, 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 it becomes difficult. And so one of the things that I really encourage is like, you need to parent as a Christian, right? You need to live as a Christian in front of your kids. So there's an element of, of sanctification. There's an element of which I am a person trying to live out the ethical teachings of Jesus in front of my children and in my interactions with my children. And sometimes we feel like that's inadequate because it's kind of like, you know, I'm being a really good example, but man, are they really slow on the uptake, right? Uh, and, and you start wondering if, if it's really sinking in, but quite often it, it is sinking in. Uh, they just have to grow and, and they have to, um, um, learn. So that, that's the number one thing is, you know, if, if I want my children to fall radically in love with Jesus, I want them to love Jesus and his church more than anything else. Okay. And I can stand there and point them towards that, or I can lead them to it. And one of those is going to be more effective than the other. Okay. And so if I want to take them someplace I need to already be there and I need to be going that way. Not that I'm perfect. Your kids know you're not perfect. Your kids see right through you. Okay. Uh, that's, that's, one, that's one of the beautiful things I think about, you know, first Timothy three, where Paul's like, you want to know what a man's really like, take a look at his, his, his wife and kids. That tells you a lot about what a man really, really is. Cause we can, we can front a little bit out in public, but it doesn't work in, in the home. Um, so that, that would be one thing. Um, another thing that, you know, kind of coming at it from a more theological perspective is just being incarnational, right? That words are not enough, but you need bodily presence as a parent and to, uh, put that into our habits and practices. Um, so for example, um, when you're a ministry leader, 
you got to be at church on time, right? You have to. There's no way around it. And your kids have to be on church on time with you, okay? Which means it can get really stressful getting everybody out the door, dressed in a way that you actually want them to appear at church, okay? Um, and, you know, you, you can hit a point where, you know, uh, you know I, I'm in a hurry. I, we're, it's getting behind. And so I'm running around trying to yell at people like, get your shoes on. Let's go. Come on. Where's your Bible? I thought we had that out last night, you know, and, and, you know, just bird dogging everybody. Okay. And instead, you know, going over and like, Hey, it's time, you know, walk over to him. Don't, don't yell all the way across the house. Walk over to him. Like, Hey, it's time to go to church. I'll you know, touch them on their back or touch them on their shoulder or something physically present in a calm way. So they're, I'm not coming after them. I'm just like, Hey, here's what we got to get done. And here's your part in it. Okay. And, and, you know, just the way we interact with our children time after time, after time, um, we can promote connection with them and we can build trust with them or we can push them away. Um, and, and it's not all at one time. It's not all this, you know, this one single event, but you know, the way we choose to interact has a cumulative effect on, on those relationships. And, and that's one of the things I, I really encourage parents is to like parent for the long term, right? Um, y'all are, y'all are, have older kids now. My kids are still relatively young. Um, so I, I've got a, like a 20 year horizon, right? Like what kind of relationship am I building that I want to have with my kids 10 years from now, 20 years from now, you know, what kind of relationship am I building so that when they come home with their boyfriend or their, their girlfriend, uh, or, you know, spouse or kids, my grandkids, what kind of relationship do I want to have with them? And what am I doing right now to build that relationship, to build that relationship, you know, Paul talks about in Ephesians 6, too, a relationship where, a relationship of honor, right, where I have honor for them, and they have honor for me, and, uh, and that's what I'm trying to, to build in our, our daily interactions. Yeah, and I think for, you know, a lot of our listeners are probably in some kind of ministry role, and I think there's probably a little bit of added pressure in our lives and, and in, in that aspect of it because you know live in a glass bubble to some degree where all the church are going to see how the preacher and his kids are doing and the, the youth minister the music minister whoever and their kids how they're acting at church and so there's almost this expectation and added pressure to those who are in some type of leadership role of of how you parent um you know because they're they're going to view how you parent as if you have you and your whole ministry and everything so there's that little bit of pressure that may because we whether they intend it or not we probably feel that pressure i, I mean i know i have at times and y'all may it may not be everybody's experience but you just it's just there and um and so there's this you've got to be everywhere you've got to do everything your your family should be you know, because of the scripture imperatives that a, a pastor's family should be in order and it should be obedient. And there's those, we don't want to give any of the appearance that we're not perfect and we don't have it all together, which adds a pressure, which then compounds back at home at times to overreact, to explode, <laughs> because there's this added pressure 
on it. Um, and I think what you said is great, just that grace-filled living and, you know, living out your theology with it is, is one of the important things in remembering parenting. Yeah. I mean, it, that, that pressure is very, very real. And, you know, it, it, it kind of, I mean, you're not at a job interview every week, but you know, it, it, it's, and it, it you just, the temptation is to slip into behaviorism, right? Where I'm just getting my kid to act the way other people expect. And sometimes when we head that direction, we lose sight of the person that's actually in front of us. This, this little person that's been entrusted to us. And, you know, if our only goal is to get them to act right, because that's what we're expected to do at church, we're, we're going to lose some things there in our relationship. How much of a role do you think that played historically through the years you mentioned earlier that, you know, young people are leaving the church? Well, that may be some act, um, part of it for those leaving that, hey, it was just a behavior type thing. But I know a lot of people who grew up as preacher's kids, or I know a lot of ministers whose kids have grown up and have left the faith too. Does I think this is an important key to them staying in the faith because if it's not genuine across the board, and and we've had conversations in my family about this. Well, you can go do this. You can be gentle. You can be patient with all these other people. But when you get here, it's got to be done right now in this way. And, and seems it seems sometimes we have less patience for those we're closest to, and have the most long term and eternal responsibility for than others who are here and our other areas of responsibility yeah there's two things there one is that it's easy to get focused on the externals rather than the heart okay and so one of the ways i try to help myself remember that is i make a distinction between my child's compliance and my child's obedience okay when my child is compliant they are doing what I have asked them or told them to do. When they are obedient, they're doing what needs to be done because they actually want to do it, okay? And there's a huge difference there. And we can get so focused on getting our child to comply with the things that need to get done. And, and I mean, sometimes bluntly, you know, um, let me just go back to an example. All right, we got to get to church and the three-year-old will not put on their shoes, right? And it's kind of like, but every you Sunday, wear shoes to church. Every Sunday, yeah. they won't put their shoes on. <laughs> Which you also know, goes at, for teenagers. Um, so yes, it just changes form, but yes, continue. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and so we're trying to leave. We got to be there. There's a certain time we need to be there. And they've put on the brakes and have now stopped the show, right? And what I need right now is them out the door, all right? And, and, and in the car and headed to church. And so, you know, and it's hard to do this in the moment, but sometimes I got to go back and rethink what happened, right? What happened there earlier today, okay? Because ultimately, at least where I live, I don't actually need their shoes on to get in the car. They can go hop in the car with bare feet and we can throw the shoes in their car and they can put their shoes on at any point before they walk out of the car and go into church. Okay. And so 
we can skip the showstopper and, you know, but at a certain point, the shoes are going to go on and probably we can, we can make it work. So sometimes one of the things is we just got, you know, we got to figure out what we actually are after. And some, a lot of times there's been many times I've drawn a line, like we are going to do this. And about five minutes later, I was like, that was arbitrary and stupid. Like that, I just drew a line and they put on the brakes and now nothing's happening and nothing I'm wanting to, uh, you know, they're, they're not going along with what I want at all. And so I got to be humble enough to back up and say, okay, what am I really after in this situation? And how am I going to uh, encourage them towards that? Um, so, yeah. Uh, it's deciding the what's about, the battle. What's the most important thing here? Is it that we get to church with shoes eventually or that they have shoes on before they get out the door? You know, what's the battle here? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a big part of it. Yep. Now, the other part of it connected with being a PK is, and by the way, I'm not a preacher's kid, okay? So I didn't grow up uh, under that uh, kind of, of pressure. I know, I think both of you uh, were, were preacher's kids. So you, you're, you know what that's like. Right. Um, but a lot of times, um, a lot of people don't have a good grasp of like child development and what would be a normal expected behavior at different points along the way. And uh, I mean, childishness is a thing, right? Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 13. You know, so I, I used to be a child. I thought like a child. I spoke like a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. Well, kids are still childish. It's 2,000 years later. Kids are still childish, okay? And, and so sometimes, you know, and, and as a ministry leader, you have the opportunity to say, look, this six-year-olds do this, 10-year-olds do this. And, and, and there is a difference. Okay. So we, we can, we can know what's age appropriate and we can, as parents try to have age appropriate expectations where the, the expectations we're having of our four-year-old are of course going to be quite different than of our 14-year-old and everybody kind of intuitively grasps that. But sometimes you know, when they're only a couple years apart, we think, well, yeah, they can both do the same thing. And, and sometimes they just can't. The other part of that is just because you can expect a two-year-old to have a tantrum from time to time, like nobody is shocked by that. Okay. Um, we, we sometimes have to think, okay, even if I'm expecting it, I still need to encourage and point my child towards behavior that is appropriate, okay? So the six-year-old that punches his friend to get the ball, well, I can expect that, but that doesn't mean it's appropriate. And so, you know, but if I have the attitude of, they need better interpersonal skills. They need a better reframing of how do we go about getting what we want. Um, then I can try to discipline them in a way that teaches them how to do it better next time, rather than just trying to come down on them because they did it wrong. Okay, and uh, uh, and so I can encourage them towards growth 
and towards maturity and towards behaving in you know socially appropriate ways. Um, but that takes more patience, and it 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 does take you know sometimes we we may have to kind of help people in our church understand like you know that's that's not kids these days. That's just kids, and that's the way kids were when you were a kid too. David, I, I appreciate that so much. I think that's spot on. I think what you're saying exactly right. And you, one of the reasons I really like your ministry is I like the idea of flourishing in there. Most parents feel like they're just trying to survive. Um, they're just trying to make it through those phases. Um, there's a whole host of things that you just said that I, I you know, could touch on in terms of how our churches tend to be structured, how our ministries tend to be structured. But maybe just one thing I would, would add to it is what I'm finding at this stage of our parenting life is, so we want to help not just point our kids to Jesus, but lead them there ourselves. You know, what is appropriate? What are those expectations? But I think now I'm finding, hey, when you sin and when you mess up, like here's how we deal with our sin. And here's how we deal um, with those things that we do wrong, because you know what, um, you know, whether it's a pastor, pastor's kid or just a, a church kid in general, like yourself growing up, sometimes we go, oh, my goodness, what will people think? Or, you know, maybe we try to cover it up because we don't want to be embarrassed as a family. But, you know, that flourishing means that I'm taking the gospel and I'm putting it now in practice, not just with expectations, what's appropriate but even in how they respond to the sin of their lives. And so um, I, I'm sure you guys deal with families across the spectrum. Have you, uh, what are, what are some ways that you're, you're helping uh, or maybe seeing some of that um, practiced uh, as well? Yeah. So, you know, the teenage years are kind of the acid test of parenting, right? They, uh, uh, because it's, it's their... the actually, I think they call it the toxic acid test of parents, extremely dangerous. No, I, I yes. can't complain. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, um, it, it's tough because, you know, it, the, there, there's, there's, there's two things happening in the teenage years. They're, they're trying to separate themselves and become their own person. And yet they are young enough. They so desperately need your influence, right? They desperately need good parental influence in their lives. And, uh, and maintaining that, you know, that, that's, that's part of why I strongly encourage you on know, be incredibly connected to your kids, build connected relationships from, you know, from diapers onwards and just build that in, build that in. And I'm not, again, there's no parenting prosperity gospel. I'm not going to guarantee anybody what life is going to be like, uh, in the teenage years. Um, but you know, we, we want that influence. Now, um, one of the things that I think a lot of parents need, or I've, I've observed them asking for a lot, is they need tools, right? They, they need ideas of, of what they could do in a particular situation. And, you know, because they they want to parent, particularly people who follow our parenting page, they want to parent in a way that keeps them connected with their kids. But that doesn't mean it's always intuitive or natural or, or easy 
to figure out what that means in a you know a, a particular situation um, and so if we don't have a lot of tools we tend to in my observation we tend to default to, to punishing right like you uh, messed up so you're going to be grounded or you know you did this so i'm taking your phone away for a week and and we tend to default to that if we don't have something that like oh this is an idea let me try this and and we can use this to try to keep connection while also correcting or helping them grow uh, i mean one of the things that it's, it's a big mental change was to figure out that especially in the early years, a lot of the problem is they just don't know how to handle it, right? They're just young and, and they're just immature, okay? Um, and they need to learn. You know, it, it's kind of, it's the same thing. Like, how do you learn anything? Well, you practice it over and over and over again. How do you learn math? How do you learn to read? How do you learn to write? How, you know, all of these things, you, you practice them over and over and over again and you slowly get better and that's how behavior works too it's it's kind of the same fundamental thing uh, we're gonna uh, practice intersocial relationships over and over and over again that's why our siblings are really good at helping us learn to navigate complex interpersonal relationships where uh, everybody ultimately gets their needs met and nobody gets punched in the process most of the time um, you know and and so you know, but we can come in and kind of, we can uh, in some ways kind of short circuit that process by making a moral judgment on our child. Like you screwed this up because we are, you know, we're, we're looking out like, oh man, you know, my, my kid's the kid that just bits, uh, they're five years old and they just bit somebody in Sunday school. Well, obviously they're probably going to be an ax murderer when they grow up, um, you know, and, and we just make that, those kind of mental jumps. And it's, it's and so we're like, we got to fix this. And instead of being like, okay, my kid is having a problem. I don't know what their problem is, right? Sometimes we don't know what the problem is. All we can tell is like, wow, there is definitely something going on with you today, okay? And, uh, and sometimes we can help them. Sometimes we just got to help them. Like, here's a way to help learn to manage your emotions without harming other people. Um, or, or here's a way to manage things without, you know, yelling hurtful words at, at everybody else. Okay. And, and they just need to learn and practice, learn and practice, learn and practice. And it gets better. Y'all know this and time everybody starts growing up and they get better. And the example that sets before them starts coming online more and more and more. And it just, it just takes a while, but it does. Yeah. I, I think it, it absolutely does. And that's been my experience with that. But I think one of those challenges there and kind of what you just said kind of reveals it because there's, we don't want our kids, we don't want to just teach behaviorism that the, Hey, we just act right, act right. Because, we want them to do it because their heart's in the right place. But there's those moments when we just need you to do what's right. And so there's a fine line between modeling and saying, this is the way we do it. This is why we do it. And just moving over into where we're just doing behaviorism, you know, teaching, just do what this the right way without the heart behind it. Uh, and so there's a challenge there. And, and, and it's not a, 
I don't know if it's even a perfect science of how to go between the two. Um, because there are sometimes you just got to, in emergency situations, in public, sometimes you just got to say, we just need you to do this right now. But then you come back yep. later and say, here's why. Here's the reason we do that way. It's a revealing of our heart, or it's because, you know, it's this Christian principle we're living out to do it this way. And so, but if we're not careful, we just do that and we never come back and we're just always teaching this behaviorism because we have to in the moment. And it's a fine line at times, I think. That's been my experience in parenting. Oh, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, there there are times where it's like, it, it's now. It is right. right now. It is happening now. I don't care what you think uh you know i don't have time to sit down i know what's going on right Uh -uh. Uh -uh. you know there's sometimes i've I've been like i need you to hear my voice right now i am not mad but this is what is happening right now and you know and and there's other times it's like okay we we can negotiate right i'll I'll let you negotiate an outcome here and and i'll I'll spend a couple minutes with you here working towards the outcome you like but sometimes that's just not an available option and and that's part of growing up is learning those differences and and they get better at that as they get older there is hope in in the end now you mentioned that some tools and i I wanted to kind of plug your website y'all's website flourishinghomesandfamilies.com um that you've got some tools on there for parents if they're looking for some help in these areas, don't you? Yes, we, we have tools. Um, uh, I mean, a lot of what we do on, on social media is trying to give people ideas or tips of, of ways they can implement. We have uh, workshops, those are usually about an hour long. We have live and then others that we've already done. So we've got recordings available. And uh, a lot of that, like, you know, Tonight, after we finish uh, recording this podcast, we're doing a, a workshop on playful parenting. And so how you can use playful and silly interactions, particularly with smaller children, um, to diffuse what are becoming tense and sometimes volatile situations and just kind of diffuse some of that negative emotional energy and move it so that things are, are still happening in a way that your child is still content with with moving forward with with what's going on so because uh, i mean i'm definitely a person that you, you can't you can't do better if you don't know better right like That's true. and and so and, and there's an element of you know as parents if if it's not working well we need to find a better answer right that's, that's absolutely right. So check out their website. We'll put the link there in the show notes. You can follow it and go check out the things that they have. David, man, it's been great talking to you and catching up a little bit from college days. And, um, and Andy, you know, anything ben, else? I, go ahead. Yeah, I think I probably just need to add this in at the end. And I by no means want to gloat, boast. That wouldn't be very smart. But I was David's RA in college. And I mm-hmm. feel like it only appropriate that I take some credit. <laughs> I can't even say it. Yeah. I couldn't even finish it. I couldn't even finish it. So, no, David, I, I'm so thankful for what you and your wife are doing. And, uh, yeah, it's just fun to see the Lord using you guys to to meet these needs and uh, to help folks out. Yeah, no, you you were my RA my first year, maybe first two years. I'm not sure how many, how long you were my RA. And then Ben was the residential director oh, there man. for yes. a year or two. Uh, <laughs> and y'all all survived. So maybe I'm responsible. I was going to say, you, I don't know. you know, he's uh, he's successful today. So 
uh, like all parenting, right. there's hope, right? The Lord blessed in spite <laughs> of me. Um, That's right, yes. So, David, is through the website the best place for people to contact you? Um, yeah, either on the website or just a, you know, a direct message on either Instagram or Facebook um, to Flourishing Homes and Families. Uh, e- either one is fine. Well, we'll put the link there in the show notes. And if you are looking for some resources or things uh, to help you either lead others in parenting or in your own family, check out flourishinghomesandfamilies.com. You can trust them. David's trustworthy from a conservative, theologically conservative, biblical perspective. Um, you, you can trust them. Hope you'll check them out. For Danny, hope you have a great week, and we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to Chair 2 Leaders. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for the latest updates, and make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to Chair 2 Leaders wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks for listening.